this is Kat. This is Phoebe. We are Feminine Chaos. Thank you for joining us. Thank you very much. And uh, Phoebe, is there anything horrible happening in the world right now by any chance? Anything deeply depressing and distressing that we should be talking about? No, because so my head is just like so completely, completely deep in a, like in the ground. I just like, I, I have no idea. I have no idea. So, but then thankfully, thankfully, Various social media influencers, uh, universities, other institutions have put out statements um, letting me know that there are things happening and that's bad and sad. Mm. And now I feel very informed about the world and the state of the world and stuff also. And stuff, Definitely yeah. stuff. You certainly know how you're supposed to feel about it, right? Or mm-hmm. maybe you're supposed to be know. feeling feelings. You can be feeling feelings. Um, if it's a university statement, they might send you to the wellness center where you can process your feelings. Um, if it's a Canadian university, they send you to the wellness center so you can process your feelings. Um, but yeah, yeah. Uh, so um, war, yes, not not where we are personally. Um, I'm looking around. Canada seems pretty calm at the moment. Um, Israel, yeah, it's it's upsetting stuff. Um, we are not war correspondents. Shocking you, I realize. But um, I mean, I'm writing about it in some capacities for uh, the places I write for uh, in Canada. Um, and yeah, yeah. Uh, but this, I think we all have to, I think the person who has made me smile, um, I don't want to say about the news, because that's impossible, but uh, just sort of at this time, the most would have to be um, a friend of pod, Lee Stein. Yes. Bless the satirists in this moment. Uh, Lee is, uh, for those who are uninitiated, the author of the novel Self Care, also a poetry book called What to Miss When. Um, she's also a, a friend of mine. In real life, we live in the same town. I am jealous. I'm jealous. <laughs> One of these days, we'll all get together and uh, we'll take a picture and eat pizza and it'll be great. But in the meantime, Lee posted this terrific, we'll have to put it in the show notes, um, Instagram send up of... (laughs) I'm looking at it now. It's so good. Of all of the the brand posts trying to like thread the needle and straddle the line between like saying the thing they're supposed to say, expressing feelings, expressing support for whoever they're supposed to be supporting without alienating the people who support the other side of things. Yeah. So it starts uh, this. It's like these cards, you know, like the sort of as uh, says, this is a hard time for personal brands in America. Sometimes you want to say something, but you also want everyone to like you. We can help. Try passive voice. Um, Bad times were had. Some of you are feeling feelings about the bad times that were had. Some of you are feeling feelings about the bad times that were had, and we feel that. And then with like a heart, a broken heart emoji. (laughs) I love it. It's just, it's... It's perfect. I feel like I've read a lot of like more verbose versions of this from like, sort of highfalutin entities as well. Like, this is just, <laughs> uh, I mean, I'm just like, I'm combing through these because I'm writing about this also. Um, and I also, whether or not I'm trying to find them, like I got emailed one from like the Toronto Public Schools and like what to do if you're feeling feelings um, and you're in Toronto Public School. And yeah, although that, their their message wasn't, um, wasn't, I was expecting it to be really, really, like terrible um but it was i don't know that it said a whole lot more than (laughs) the parody you know but it yeah 
Yeah. Anyway. Yes. Well, it didn't explicitly use an image of the uh, terrorist paragliding uh, gun-toting no. murderer to no. express uh, its excitement about what was happening in the <laughs> Middle East. They so- just apologized and, and then basically restated it. It's very strange. Have you seen their like latest thing? No. Wait, who are we talking about? BLM Chicago, I assume. Oh, okay. Because everybody was using that. I mean, I hate to say this, but like it's a very low bar to clear to not use the picture of the terrorist paraglider in your statement, <laughs> um, you know, expressing your feelings, your feelings that you're feeling about what's happening in the Middle East. And yet it's a bar that many, many organizations on the progressive left have somehow struggled to clear. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think like what I'm trying to sort of parse is like when has some like there's these differences between right, like there are the entities that have like or people, whatever. Sometimes it's people, sometimes it's organizations. Um, and what does that mean if it's an organization? Because it's probably just one person writing it, nobody else is even looking at it. Um, but where like there are the people who just genuinely do support Hamas, and mm-hmm. I actually just blocked one who had been a mutual of mine on Twitter, and I, I will tell you who this was uh, when we. Uh, or speaking privately, but um, there are people who are like, just that is their position. And there, I feel like you can try to parse what they've posted to social media, but there's, it's like, not that, like, who cares? Like, it's not about the posts themselves. It's about what it represents, you know? And then there are just like this sort of, these like, the attempts to say nothing, which I think um, we parodied extremely well. Those are, Yes, I agree. And um, I don't know, the... (sighs) this is not the main takeaway from what's happening. I, I am a person who like tends to make dark jokes when I'm anxious about something or when things are terrible, um, which is something that like I feel entitled to do when it's my own life, but I feel a little bad about the impulse to do it when it's like a world historic tragedy. And yet like this is probably a lesson in why we don't, shouldn't have, rather, in 2020, decided that we needed to know how, like, Doritos felt about the Black <laughs> Lives Matter movement. Like, we set this we set this precedent for expecting every institution and every brand, um, including things that have, like, nothing to do with anything, to weigh in on whatever, like, national political conflict we were in. And now... Like this is the this is the bed that we all made, and now we're just lying in it horribly. It's a horrible bed. I hate it. I would like to unmake it and choose a different bed. Yeah, I mean to yes and this. Uh, yeah, it's not just brands. It's people. People, individuals think that they need to to do this. That they have to issue a statement. That they have to put their stance. And I don't mean like, okay, so I just, I'm like, you know, when I last looked at Twitter, I see like Bernie, Stan- Bernie Sanders has issued a statement. Okay. He is a politician. He is Jewish. There are reasons people might be curious what Bernie Sanders, you know, an American Jewish politician who's, you know, extremely prominent um, on the left and so forth, like what he has to say. But like, if you're just like some random person going about your day and you're not anywhere near the conflict, you don't have anything to do with it. Do you need to issue a statement. Well, I, I think you can react to the news um, without that necessarily being issuing a statement. And I think these things are very different. And that's why, like, it's, that's what I thought was really um, interesting with um, Lee's post and just in general, its whole thing with, like, the these statements. Like, people are just, 
people seem to imagine that they are all politicians and that everybody's waiting for them to have said something. And I understand if you have an actual view on what's happening, and I mean, I have views and I have written about them, but if you have an actual view on what's happening, by all means, say what your view is. But then this is like this need to have said something. And that's the thing that is just, oh, that, like, just don't, like, Oh, I mean, and then then I started to get very annoyed at somebody who had had to preface somebody who is Jewish herself, um, a journalist uh, saying, but she's insisting she's not a Zionist, but... Was this Jessica Gross? It maybe was. Yes, it was. Yes. Okay. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Okay, so she's basically saying, I'm not a Zionist, but I think that Jews moved, you know, for reasons related to and not related to the Holocaust, moved to Israel or what would soon become Israel, you know, depending on the timing, um, out of necessity. That is Zionism there, right? I'm sorry, like, then that is being a Zionist, because that, like, it depends. Oh, oh, this just strikes me as, like, it has nothing to do with saying that you're, it, it's not, okay. And then, oh, oh, but then her reason, the reason she gave for why she's not a Zionist is because she um, doesn't support any theocracy. And I was like, Jessica Gross, let me introduce you to Theodore Herzl. Like, it's not about theocracy. Like, ah, sorry. I just, she's somebody who's like got such a platform in journalism and like has no idea what she's talking about on this issue. She did delete not just those tweets, but like all of her tweets ever. So I guess, you know, thought better of it. Maybe she, she took the, I'm sure somebody said to her something in the spirit of delete your account. I subtweeted that at her I'll say yes I didn't name her but I noticed this and it's it's funny because when I saw that come across my timeline from you I thought (laughs) please leave that in (laughs) that's this is violent even for him Uh, a man in a terrorist paraglider just left a package on my doorstep um so I'm sure that's how it feels for a dog (laughs) every time every time anything happens yes in fact in fact um okay so uh, I should also, well, it's not like anybody knows who who this man was, but I just want to say, like, not mean to slander this noble delivery man. He was not actually a Hamas terrorist. He's just a, a guy. Anyway, um, but it's so funny when I, I saw that come across my timeline from you, I, I knew immediately who it was <laughs> that was being subtweeted. But also, like, that was such a genre of tweet. And my God, the groveling, it just infuriated me. This, like, you know, you don't have to bend over backwards to be like... I'm one of the good ones, but like, I just want to say, you know, in the most reluctant, milk toast, wishy washy possible way, that I do think it's bad to kill babies. Like, you can, you could just say that the bad thing is bad or don't say anything at all. Yeah. I mean, this, this drove me so nuts. So, this is, yeah, I did my CJN column this week about this because I was just so fed up because it's just like, you can say this and it doesn't imply, I even was a little like frustrated when I was writing the column because I feel like by saying it doesn't imply anything, it's almost like doing the disclaimer thing as well. Because like, I would call myself a Zionist and I don't really feel the need to every time I say that explain like the full history of modern political Zionism and what that does and doesn't mean and whether why that doesn't actually mean that I support, you know, Netanyahu specifically. You know, I think he's not doing great things for Israel at this point, but that doesn't mean that I don't think Israel should exist. Yeah, but that is what Zionism ultimately is. It's that it 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 ought, it it has a right to exist, right? That it should exist. Yes, that's all it is. That's all it is. And it doesn't, I don't know, it just, um, it's just this was just driving me nuts because like 
nothing implies anything. Like you can be upset about the news. And I don't think that that's the same as issuing a statement. But I think it starts, it gets into the statement issuing territory when it's like, you have to start with these disclaimers and something. Because I think on some level with a certain sort of person, I think they're worried that they just, I mean, sometimes I think it's about like genuine political sentiments, conflicts, you know, not being happy with, you know, how Israel, you know, how the Israeli government has, you know, treated the Palestinians. I think sometimes it has content to it. A lot of the time it does. A lot of the time I think it also is like, you don't want to be a dork. And people assess, and that you see this with a lot of different political issues that I'm not going to start enumerating now, but where there's clearly like the cool kids think the one thing and you want to, you don't want to like suggest that you think the other thing, even if you haven't even thought about the issue at all either way. Does that, does that seem like maybe something? No, I mean, I feel like there, this issue, maybe just because what's happening is so dire and it has inspired so much terrible discourse, this more than most seems like it has drawn the most repugnant surface level tribal signaling of like people saying what they think they're supposed to say out of the woodwork without any real thought behind it it's just people like they understand what words they're supposed to be mouthing and then they mouth them yes and then you get people who are like actually they're like actually peace activists basically and they're like super super pro-palestinian jews who are like no actually this is this is bad what's happening like you you're, you you know like this is really bad <laughs> you know what i mean and it's oh i feel like there's just the there there's this lag right there's the people thinking they know what they're supposed to be saying and then like the people who are actually paying attention to it who are you know, ostensibly on their side or like actually, you know, following what's happening. Um, So I think I've found one bright side in this, if I can be so bold, which is that like more so than any other moment in recent memory, despite the fact that there's been a lot of absolute ghoulishness with people basically saying like either directly that they support Hamas or in so many words that they support Hamas. I've also seen disproportionately people uh, who said these things, walking it back in a way that is heartening to me. I've seen some thoughtful follow-up posts from people who are like, you know, on second thought, I did not mean that. And I don't know, maybe they're just capitulating in the face of a lot of pressure. Maybe they just don't want to lose their jobs, which is something that has been happening that I feel very torn about um, because obviously like I'm big on free speech. I don't think people should be fired for having bad political opinions. Um, I don't even think people should be fired for like having chosen the wrong side in an actual war, but it's still, you know. Well, I think there's also, there's something tricky here also to do with, I think the timing of this. So I think things got much more horrific in, you know, like the reports were already quite upsetting and then got like really really upsetting and then all of that got confirmed and yeah i think that yeah that's yeah. um people got I over think, their skis a little bit yeah i think that there are the people who just whenever they see something about this um are like um yeah so can i tell you i i have local local drama to do with this oh okay yes please um that we're gonna blast to the world but why not um i have a neighbor who um he's like a fairly new neighbor, so I, I don't know, um, this will be relevant, who, not not a next door neighbor, but like nearby, um, who was wearing a keffiyeh like yesterday. And I wondered whether it was that this is just like his scarf and this was the first chilly day and he just 
wore it because it was chilly or or if it was like a political um, gesture. For the uninitiated, can you explain what a keffiyeh is? It's a scarf that is just sometimes worn for, you know, like either you are or um, have an affinity for or have visited perhaps um, certain Arab areas of the world. Um, but it also sometimes has a sort of pro-Palestinian protest significance. Mm-hmm. And that's why it is a, it's a multifaceted symbol and also just a scarf. Will you so, send me a picture of a keffiyeh so I can put it in the show notes, please? I, I will take, I will try to capture a picture of my neighbor in his. No, and, no. I'm joking. Oh I'm God. joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. I mean, for all I know, he is Palestinian, in which case, like, see, that's a, the, the thing about this. And this is going to, this is maybe where I am different from, uh, this is where I'm special. I'm one of the other girls, um, is if somebody is actually Palestinian, I could see being not pro Hamas, but like, you know, very apprehensive about what's to come there, you know, and just generally like maybe, maybe upset include with Israel and with Hamas, you know, I could see that, you know. I think when people, where I see anti-Semitism entering into it is more like people who have nothing at all to do sort of familiarly with um, the conflict who just become obsessed with deciding that there's absolutely one group only of people who have ever dealt with anything bad in the world and it's the Palestinians and everything bad they've had to deal with has been specifically to do with the Jewish presence um, in their area. Anyway. Yeah, I have thoughts about how how it is that this breakdown occurs the way it does so frequently. Um, because I think that this is not an original thought to me, actually, but I mean, it's, it's something that I've been sort of kicking around. And then I saw other people kicking it around on Twitter um, in a way that was more eloquent than what I'm about to say. So, but, it, you know, it's when you have a worldview that really is like this very kind of Manichaean, good and evil, oppressor, oppressed um, idea where it's like, whatever it is, whatever the dynamic is in a given situation, you have to determine how power has coalesced. And then whoever has more power or is perceived to have more power, that person is the bad guy who is oppressing the person with less power. Right, right. And in this and in this framing, the decapitated babies are the ones in power. Yes, yeah. yes. Yeah, I, I don't know what to say. I mean, it's yes, I think that that's um, I think that that analysis, I think that gets at something, but also more specifically, this way of like, the sort of uh, America centric view of it, that is also very confusing, where it kind of like, where the Israelis, um, like, specifically, like, Jewish Israelis are cast as like the white people, which if you actually are like, if you go to Israel or just like read about Google it, like that's not really exactly how it's breaking down. Like it's just a different, different whole, you know, I mean like a lot of the, like most like Ashkenazi Jews insofar as you could even call even, yeah, whatever. So it's a complicated thing, but like a lot of Israeli Jews are, you know, Arab Jews, right? They're Mizrahi Jews. And they're, regardless of what people actually look like, because people look all different ways, and there are plenty of um, Middle Eastern people, Jewish and not Jewish, who read as white in the US and are often categorized as white in the US. So it's, it, this is why it's all super complicated. But the idea that, like, this is about, that this is all, that everything's America, basically, I think is some of also what's going on. Yes. Well, I have to say, like, 
to me, the most extraordinary, and I don't mean this in a good way, aspect of the, you know, the, the discourse that has resulted from what happened this past weekend was the debate happening earnestly and in public between people who wanted to, like, quibble about whether the babies were decapitated or whether only some were decapitated or whether they were they were merely killed. My God, like, log off. Yeah, I don't even know what to say. And then I just I think so much about like the blood libel, you know, the historical, you know, obviously false rumor that Jews were like, kidnapping and killing Christian babies to make matzah out of them and so forth. This was this this is like from the Middle Ages. That's incredible. I'd never heard that one. Okay, so this is this is like a really, really like one of the central sort of anti Semitic um myths from like pre-modern times that obviously you know like all of these sort of comes back in modern times people accusing jews of being bloodthirsty in this way and then you see this and it's like well yeah but they they had their reason they had tried peaceful protest it didn't work so that what what does that leave you with well clearly that would be the, i mean it's just ah it's it's so frustrating and also just so viscerally upsetting and the thing that struck me and um yeah i think i i did post about it was just like that we've just had all these years of like, be sensitive, trigger warning, don't make anybody have the feelings, you know? And like, every time I open my computer all day, it's like, about these decapitated babies. And I can think obviously of nothing else. And I'm like, and like, my own two year old is in daycare right now. And you know, my four year old, she's not a baby, but you know, baby adjacent. And it's like, still your baby. Yeah, exactly. And it's like, it's freaking me out. And I mean, it's like, I'm not saying that people I think it has to be reported on, obviously, you know, but it's just, um, just interesting in in light of the sort of um, trigger warning discourse. I just think of all the things that I've seen, like, I think of a post that I saw in one of these um, mom forums that I lurk in, um, although I, I went more than lurk and actually like, got involved in the Middle East arguing and one but um yeah where somebody had said something like content warning privilege we go to the public library we have access to the public library and can take books out from it it's like what (laughs) like you can go to like oh i'm so jealous of your tremendous wealth um but i just think of all the things i've seen kind of disclaimered with a warning (laughs) it's like well, let's just think, think what's the most horrible thing you could think of happening and let's just like bombard with that thought um, continuously. I have to ask you a really stupid question. Is there even an ingredient in matzah that would result in people like mistakenly believing that it contained blood? So I'm going to tell you what's in matzah because I know a lot about this, both because matzah has long been my preferred cracker year round. I don't actually, I'm not religious. I don't actually observe like, Passover. I mean, I mean, like I'll go to a Seder if somebody knows having one, but like I don't not eat bread during Passover or anything. But I do eat matzah year round, and it's also um, one of my children has a sesame allergy, and uh, most crackers have sesame in them, so we have to basically buy matzah because it's like the only one that doesn't. So I know very, very well the ingredients of matzah. It's flour and water. That's it. Yeah, it's there's no it, it's it's uh, I think you're safe as a vegan. Um, yeah. Incredible. Of all the of all the food 
products to think had blood in it. I, I don't even know. Yeah, I mean, at least pick borscht or something. That, yeah, exactly. Well, you would think. You would think. Learn something new every day. But okay, um, let's let's move on. Let's move on from this topic. Before we do that, we're just going to say we're Feminine Chaos. We're a podcast. If you enjoy this conversation and would like to hear more like it, you can subscribe to our Substack. It's femchaospod.substack.com. For $5 a month, you will receive access to uh, premium episodes just for our subscribers, our paid subscribers. You also get early access to our public episodes. You also get open threads, comment threads, et cetera, et cetera. There's a community of, of folks who gather. That reminds me that today is today is the day to post. Today is the day. I'm going to do, do it. I'm thing. glad. Thank you for reminding me. Thank you for reminding me. I, I will do that after we record. Yes. And I also have one little little personal thing that I need to mention. Um, or Well, not personal. It's also professional. But it's in my other life as a non-culture commentator. Uh, I'm a novelist. And the paperback edition of my latest book, You Must Remember This, is being released on November 7th. And if you felt like pre-ordering a copy, it's, uh, you know, I'll, I'm going to leave a link in the show notes because I'm being shameless about trying to promote it. Oh, fantastic. Oh, so I've read it and it's, um, it's really good. It's like really, really good. Um, Thank you so much. So I highly recommend, would highly recommend, even if I did not know you, Kat. So, yeah. I appreciate that. So, um, yeah, moving on to Lighter Fair. Have you been watching anything on TV lately that's not horrifying news coverage from the Middle East? Um, I have, but it's mainly been that I try to watch um, horrible Britcoms to fall asleep to when I can't stop doom scrolling. So that I think if you're talking about more recent television, I think that's more your wheelhouse and you're going to share what's been on TV more recently. Yes. Um, so I... For professional reasons, although I regret to inform that I've now been completely sucked in and I'm going to continue watching, even though I've already written my piece about this, uh, I've been watching Naked Attraction and The Golden Bachelor. The Golden Bachelor, I am particularly obsessed with. Have you? Are you familiar at all, Phoebe, with The Golden Bachelor? Through you, through, through me. You. Okay, yes. I've looked it up. I've looked into it a bit through because you mentioned it and because you wrote about it now. Yes. You know, it's funny. I was just in uh, the offices of the Free Press where I wrote a piece about, um, you know, what these dating shows symbolize. Oh, they have they have in-person offices. I didn't even they know. They have that. a brand new office in uh, in New York City. I went there wow. yesterday. It was, um, it's, you know, still a little unfurnished, but it was nice. Um, I met several of the employees there. Had a long conversation with one of them, a young woman who went in her 20s, about the fact that the bachelor, the golden bachelor, despite his advanced age, he's 71 years old. His name is Gary. He's hot. Like, you know, I mean, as the kids say, would. Really? <laughs> For an old man, like... Okay. He looks okay. terrific. He looks terrific. Um, as do all of the women, the over 60-year-old women who are courting him, which is, I don't know, I, maybe I don't want to go off on this tangent because it would be such a tangent, but like there are some women on this show where I just want a list of everything they've done to their faces so that I can do it too when the time comes. I also would like, there's a, admittedly a couple of them where I want a list of everything they've done so that I know to avoid that because they look very surprised. <laughs> I was going to say, um, I have been looking at these pictures of these women and I'm just like, I, I can't, they don't look their age, but then they do in certain, it seems like when you look at the publicity shots, they all look kind of like too perfect, right? It, and 
not like airbrush, like in the olden times of the kind of like everything just looks fuzzy and you can't really tell what you're looking at, but more like they look just like decades younger than you know them to be. But then I feel like in, in other pictures, they just seem sort of like you can kind of see, you can kind of put together what was probably done. Maybe. Yes. Many of them are what you would call well-preserved, um, you know, where it looks, it seems natural. Um, you know, it certainly isn't, can't possibly be, but it seems like it is. Um, and then there are some who have the kind of, yeah, like slightly waxy look, which is itself a trend. I sort of wonder, I don't know, like I've met women in real life who look like this. And I always wonder if there's a point at which they sort of observe what's what they've done to their faces or what's happening to their faces and they decide that it's like they can look this way which is like clearly altered and and uh inauthentic or they can look the way that they would look without you know like they can allow themselves to age and they just genuinely prefer this sort of slightly alien waxwork appearance it isn't it's, it's like an aesthetic in itself at this point yeah, I mean, I, I think they're, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think it signals that you have a certain amount of money, right? And that's just kind of, is that it? Is that what, it, or that you care to still be like, that you care to still be kind of in the game? What What do you think it means? Oh, gosh, I don't know. I mean, I thought that it was something much more, um, you know, kind of base and basic than either of those things, which is just that these women don't like, how they look as they get older but isn't that it though the like trying to still be in the game and like that um in all ways i don't just mean in dating i mean also just oh you mean like in the in the world they're trying to not be invisible yeah yeah i don't know i don't know i um i'm trying to think about this in the context of my own face and i haven't turned invisible yet i'm expecting it to happen any day now as i like cruise through my 40s oh i think i have already like Probably at around like twenty eight. <laughs> I, I don't. I don't think so. I seem to. I seem to remember a picture of the two of us being posted to the internet at one point, and somebody saying that you were patrician gorgeous. Well, nobody is invisible to everybody. Uh, so keep, take take heart. Incels. That is true. Take heart, incels. Yes, um, it's important actually to know who you're invisible to because once you know. You can like steal their food and they'll never notice. <laughs> I hope they're eating something good. Yes. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, what I was, I've been thinking about this like in terms of the whole um, if, if everybody in a cohort does the stuff to look young, what happens to the people who don't? And this is very much like the Ozempic question, right? Like if everybody's doing Ozempic, it then means something different to be fat. If everybody's, you know, so completely you know whatever <laughs> i don't even know what is it cosmetic dermatology or is it beyond that i don't even know what these women are doing yeah i don't know um i would say there there has to be at least one or two actual old school facelifts happening here i mean it's like anything else like if everybody's dying their hair and you don't then it's different than if everybody just has gray hair. Well, this is reminding me very tangentially of that study that found that if your friends are fat, you yourself are more likely to be fat, which made it sound like you could catch fat from your 
from your social circle, but I guess, you know, it it sort of is that (laughs) it's like, I'm picturing like you're literally catching it. Like it's thrown to you in the ball. (laughs) This is making me think of, of my favorite of all time or most favorites, probably the wrong way to put it. There's somebody once did some study or I don't even know if it was a study or just like a common sense observation that any friend you have probably has more friends than you do because they have so, so many, you know, like anybody who has a lot of friends has a lot of friends. So most of, you know, does that make sense? Am I, am I explaining this right? What if you yourself are the people who has a lot of friends? There are a few such people out there, but most are not those people. So it might be you, but most of the time that's not going to be the case. I feel like this is a, a scientific study constructed by a bunch of people who were just like agents of chaos who were like, let's make people feel really bad about themselves. I should look up where I saw this because I remember thinking that it actually made like tons and tons of sense because the people who are really like, I'm not great at making plans with people and stuff. And then like, I I will often just sort of default to letting other people kind of you know, like to saying yes to the invitations others have given and reciprocating whatever, but like, I'm not great at the sort of activation energy part of it or whatever. Um, But I remember thinking, okay, this actually makes so much more sense. And life now makes much more sense, but that it also seems kind of like weird. I don't know, but maybe it's not true. Maybe it's not true. I mean, I think it probably is. It just also happens to like ping the part of my brain that is constantly thinking that everybody who I like doesn't really like me. Oh, well, that's what's so that's what's so incredible about this finding, because it's like, aha, uh-huh, they would rather be hanging out with somebody else. <laughs> it's like, Yes. Yeah. So it's oh. basically like, I'm sure it's true. I just really don't want it to be. And I don't want to think about it. Is that fair? I think that's fair. I mean, it's, you know, we, we've, we've covered like actual you know, human tragedies. And how about just the, the like petty neurotic tra- tragedies that, um, you know, I'm sure exist. This one hits much closer to home. I'm not going to lie. It does. I mean, unless, oh, have you seen it? Sorry, not to return to the war topic again, but just one thing. Have you seen that, the post from the people who are like, if Native Americans decided to um, have an uprising and get rid of all the settlers? I'm writing about this. <laughs> okay. That I, yeah, so you know which one, yes. right? You know which, okay. I'm glad you're writing about it. I am I'm not writing about it, um, but I'm glad you are. <laughs> yeah. Yes. No, it's yeah. incredible. So you know what I'm talking um, about. Yeah, but we should probably describe these um these tweets. I mean, I'll I'll put some of them in the show notes, but it's just this incredible genre of, like I mean, you have to kind of respect that people are seeking to be consistent on this, even though it's an absolute like absurd fantasy scenario. Can you address why they don't just like go to if they are white and non-Jewish, perhaps Americans go to whichever country their ancestors came from, if that's how they feel. Yes, that's going to be something that I'm including in my piece. But yeah, these are this is a genre. It's a genre of tweet, and I'm sure post elsewhere. It's just, you know, Twitter or jitter or whatever the hell you call it now. Like, it's still... Xavier. <laughs> <laughs> Xavier, yes. Um, it's still... God help us both. It's still the place where I'm hanging out and like getting my news from. Um, but so there is this this element of the discourse, which I do find fascinating, which is people who are, you know, the same ones who are basically celebrating Hamas or um, using the image of the, the terrorist paraglider in a positive way are like trying to extrapolate their support for Palestine 
to other scenarios in which people might eject the colonists, the settler colonialists from their lands, um, which, of course, like the entire United States of America is populated. I don't even know. It must be more than 90 percent, right, by people who are not originally from here, whose families are not originally from here? Yeah, so there are there's a greater proportion of indigenous people in Canada than in the US. I do not know numbers on like anything to do with populations, this topic or any other. For all I know, there are 12, 12 people in Canada. I mean, I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, but anyway, the idea is that like if all of the Native Americans in the you know in North America decided to rise up and eject the settler colonialists from their countries, these people would just be like begrudgingly allow themselves to be murdered. It's only fair. <laughs> I don't even know. I don't even know. I I really do though. Um, look forward to what you are writing on this because um, this is. Yeah, it's a fun one, but it is it is fun. It kind of is. <laughs> this is a, it's like you can always find the fun in it, right? I mean, this is the fun. I think that's the. I, I've gone. I'm going with all the like dark, upsetting things, and oh, you took a fun one, Gretchen. Anyway, um, <laughs> <laughs> but yes. So 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 back to the topic of people who um, live in. Um, in uh, in the fortunate lands where one is able to reach old age, but they don't look like it. Um, I, I, I'm torn because like, I guess I can, I, I just, I'm very torn when it comes to just my own appearance generally, whether to care or not. And I just like swing back and forth, like within a certain, within a given day, even sometimes between thinking that it actually matters and actually couldn't possibly matter less. I don't feel like I would be ever strongly feeling enough that it matters to spend like enough to go full whatever that is. Full wax alien. That's the... But I guess it's all relative. There are people who would say that doing like anything beyond just, you know, using soap is... Mm. um, Or some people even say using soap is too much. Yes, yes. Um, So, well, here's... I think I'm going to try to tie this all back together. Um, I've had a thought about the way these women look and and how we're talking about it, which is, you know, maybe not very nice. And then also about like the kind of broader purpose of these dating shows and why they are so interesting to watch. Um, the one that I mentioned earlier, Naked Attraction, is um, it is not like The Golden Bachelor at all. The people in it are young and uh, in fact, fully nude. The the whole premise of the show is that like they see each other completely naked before they even know each other's names. This is an interesting way of doing things. I think like I don't know. I mean, I could I could talk at length, which I don't have time to do about how the pretense of the show stacks up against the reality of how people actually engage with like the various eligible bachelors or bachelorettes when they're standing in front of them completely nude and they reveal them, they reveal their bodies from the bottom up. So the first thing if you're the contestant on this show and you're choosing your date, the first thing you see is um, feet, legs and genitals. And but, um, you know, they have them turn around so you can see everything. Um, And, you know, I I think it's interesting that like 
even in that moment, people kind of look for personality in the, in the <laughs> bottom half of these people. They're like, well, this person's standing in a way that is interesting and like intriguing to me, or this person's standing in a way that turns me off. I just think it's so funny that like you've got a naked wiener right there. Like if that's what you care about and that's what you're being told to judge. And instead they're like, I'm just trying to figure out who this person is. Like, are we compatible? I always wonder, is this something like, because it's always sort of said that like, well, men just could care about a body and women care about like, you know, at least the face, if not the personality, at least the face. Um, I don't know. Does does this play out at all? Is there? In fact, like, it's not as though, I was just talking about this with somebody. It's not as though the men on the show are like indiscriminate in, in their gazing where it's like they just want the biggest pair of tits on on offer you know like there's there's a choosiness that i mean like the men also look at how the women are standing or how they've groomed themselves or like if the woman has a tattoo or a piercing you know they they also do this thing where like i mean i would i would say that maybe they are more visually driven or they admit to being more visually driven and like who knows which it is but mm-hmm. they're not like slavering cartoon caricatures of like a guy who just wants the best naked body so that's interesting and of course like each man's idea of what the best naked body is is very very subjective um because you know you have like all shapes and sizes of person on this show and it turns out that everybody does in fact something find something like slightly different attractive um i also just have to say that like when i was watching this show uh for work i like all those reassurances yeah for work for work for work i looked over and my husband is sitting there eating like the biggest sausage i've ever seen and <laughs> He a hundred percent did this on purpose. I think he like went out to the store, bought the sausages, came back, cooked one, and brought it into the room where I was watching television just to fuck with me. Um, but anyway, that's neither here nor there. So I think the ultimate thing about these shows and the thing that makes them so fascinating is that they attempt to reproduce the vulnerability that is necessary to fall in love with somebody and you know in the naked show obviously like literally removing all of your clothing is sort of the proxy for being vulnerable and the idea is like we're stripping you of pretenses and your underwear and we're going to like allow you to see past that or like or get it out of the way so that you can connect on a deeper level and then the golden bachelor is you know i mean it's the same pretense as any other bachelor show except like the stakes seem so much higher because it's old people and it's it feels worse when they seem desperate and sad um but similarly you know you have these women who are like they're too old to play games they have abandoned all pretense they're like you know like i had a husband and he's dead now and i'm looking for a second chance at love and they really do just like they just put it all out there and it's embarrassing and it's super uncomfortable to watch and um and it's kind of great for that reason i think like it feels in some ways even if it's sort of superficial the way that it's supposed to feel to fall in love where you can't care about being cool does this make sense it does. It does. I mean, it, it's interesting because like they're not trying to, there's no pretense that they're like going to start a family with this person. They're, you know, they already probably have a family if they were going to have a family, right? Like, 
it's it's got to be quite different like the stakes um yeah this is something i've been thinking about for like other stuff that i was thinking about um and writing about with like the like the difference between depictions of like sort of women still at an age where they might find a husband they might have 10 children with and ones who are like like not they don't have that pressure perhaps yeah Um, And there's something really interesting about that. It's like, this is a search for companionship and that's it. Like insofar as you're building a life together, you know, you're not going to have that much time. Um, So it's really about like, you know, who, who are you going to enjoy spending your time with? And I, I I don't find that fascinating because like among other things, the kind of relationship ultimately that they're going to be cultivating is one that is easy and natural like you don't have time when you're looking for love at the age of 70 to be like oh you know it's fine that we have to work at this because that's what relationships are like no like you know you don't have time for that like you just need you need somebody with whom you can be easily who started that myth about the the work on relationships some incredibly difficult person (laughs) that's my my guess it would have to be i mean instead of just the idea that like conflicts arise between people if they you know are together for a long time but like the idea that the relationship itself should be like a project that needs work seems like it but it's like you do hear this you do hear this you do you do hear this um and i think that's that's all i have to say about that do you have any further thoughts, Phoebe, on reality television dating shows or terrorist <laughs> or, paragliders? Or <laughs> um, I think that what would solve, what would bring peace to the Middle East is if they just, um, in a very nonviolent way, parachuted down um, a bunch of naked uh geriatric dating show contestants i'm sort of i'm doing crossover naked geriatric uh, dating show contestants because everybody would just be so surprised (laughs) that they would stop whatever they were doing um and just want to know why why this had happened it would be kind of like sort of aliens from another planet style level of what's going on here and that you just wouldn't be able to wage war when there's you know like a very very when there's a woman whose face looks 25 and whose body looks 75 and <laughs> suddenly there wouldn't you just be so distracted and then there's like a bunch of them it's true if you're looking for the element of surprise um and mm-hmm. to and to basically broker an immediate piece because what are you going to do after that i think you could not possibly find a better solution I mean, at least like, whatever. They haven't tried this one. So, do you think? Do you think we've we've brought peace to the Middle East through through our podcasting? Uh, possibly, but we've certainly brought feminine chaos. We have. Thanks and- for listening. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>